left me She might clear out all happy home If a woman left me She might clear out all happy home Guess that would feel real bad But there's nothing that I Hello, listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. You're listening to a clip of Something to Lose from the Columbus-based Harold Stewart and the Blues Hounds. The band is our featured musical artist this week, so we know you're going to want to stick around to the end of the podcast so we can tell you a little bit more about the band and where to see them perform and how to get your hands on their music. But right now, stoke that fire, campers. It's time for a new mystery. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder. And with me is our storyteller and researcher, Paula Schleiss, an award-winning journalist who spent some 30 years telling these kinds of stories at the Akron Beacon Journal. Hi, everybody. So here's a topic we haven't tackled before, Paula. Reincarnation. Yes. And I got to say, whether you believe in reincarnation or not, it's a really fascinating topic. And I think a lot of people are intrigued by the concept. I know I am. Me too. And I guess that's kind of the topic that will always be a mystery because who can prove it? Well, or can you? Well, that sounds like a challenge. Why don't you lay the case out for us and we'll let our armchair detective evaluate the facts. Fair enough. Okay, so for this story... We're actually starting out in Macon, Georgia, and there's a girl of about five years old, and she's having a strange dream. In it, she sees a young girl standing on the side of a cobbled road, waiting with her parents. A carriage pulls up. She can smell the horses. She can hear the sound of their hooves. She can smell the leather. She can feel the cold night air on her skin. She sees the girl. It doesn't look like her physically, and yet she knows this girl. She feels this girl. Now, in her waking hours, the young dreamer, her name is Georgia, like the state where she lives, she'll try to sketch the girl again and again, tearing up pictures that don't look right, trying hard with her crayons and colored pencils to get the right hair, the right eyes, the right nose, the right chin. And she always draws a house, a house that she sees in her dreams. The house goes with this girl somehow. She's just not sure how. Now, in her sleeping hours, Georgia will visit her vision again. Only the girl in her dreams isn't always a girl. Sometimes she's grown into a young woman. And sometimes Georgia isn't sleeping at all. Sometimes the images come to her not as dreams, but his memories. It's not like a childhood memory, she once said. It feels different. It's like taking a picture from my mind, projecting it on a screen, and just replaying it over and over. Now, prominent in George's dreams and memories is a river. 
and a young man in a brown suit with a derby hat. Sometimes the young man is alone. Sometimes he is with the girl. But it's definitely an era that she has never known, a time when there were no planes or automobiles. She sees ships with huge wheels on either side, pedal wheel boats that she's never seen in her life. Now, as an adult, Georgia Rudolph tries to understand these moments. Some of them are lingering and detailed. Some come and go quick as a flash, but they all have the feel of the early 1900s. Well, in 1984, Georgia Rudolph turned to Dr. Douglas Smith and he agrees to try regressive hypnosis on her. Dr. Smith thinks Georgia might be affected by some childhood trauma, maybe some experience her brain was trying to sort out. Or maybe these visions were an aspect of a multiple personality disorder. Maybe her brain was trying to help her become someone else. The very last thing on his mind is reincarnation. Now, Steve, do you want... Just for the benefit of our audience, do you want to explain what reincarnation is? Yeah, reincarnation is uh, when you pass away, you come back as somebody else. And some yeah. people have, you know, different aspects of that. Like uh, if you were somebody who was a Nazi, maybe you'd come back as a Jewish person. Well, there, yeah, there's definitely a spiritual idea yeah. that karma, you know, maybe your your soul needs to learn the other side. Right. That's true. That's yeah. true. Well, whether it's that specific or not, there there are a lot of people that believe that when your spirit is reborn, uh, it can retain vestiges of its former life. And those are memories that might reveal themselves in lucid waking moments, like little visions, or in the form of dreams. And okay. Georgia seems to be having both of these. And she starts to think, well, maybe reincarnation is the answer to what is happening to her. So during the first session of hypnosis... Dr. Smith refers to Georgia by her name. I don't know who you're talking to, Georgia said. Well, if this isn't Georgia, then who is it? The doctor asks her. And suddenly, we have a name attached to that little girl and that young woman of Georgia's visions. My name is Sandra Jean Jenkins, she tells Dr. Smith. Well, over the course of several sessions, Sandra shares more about herself. She was born in 1895. She had brown hair and brown eyes. Through hypnosis, Georgia can now see herself as Sandra Jean Jenkins standing on a paddle wheel steamer. The young man, who is sometimes her companion, is there, and he has a name now, too, Tommy Hicks. They are sweethearts, and they have scheduled a date with the minister. But they're not going to make it down the aisle. Days before they were to be married, Tommy was on a ship and swept overboard in a storm. His body was never found. Sandra Jean was devastated and finally pushed over the edge when she discovered she was pregnant. Oh, wow. Sandra killed herself by drowning herself in a lake, and she was buried on a hill in an unmarked grave. Georgia said she was standing near Sandra Jean's grave. And she could see an angel statue with one arm raised up. Now, Georgia, she was shocked to learn some of these de details through hypnosis. These things weren't things that she had been aware of in her dreams or her daytime visions. And Dr. Smith, he's astonished. His patient seems very stable, very down to earth. 
And while the things she's saying under hypnosis seem far-fetched, he's really impressed by the emotion, the effect, the detail that comes through. Well, I'm sure he's seen both spectrums of somebody who's comes in and might be, you know, I don't know, maybe not a believer in hypnosis and somebody who's just yeah, genuine, you know, genuine person. Right. I think if you do enough of these, you probably get to be a good judge of character. Yeah, definitely. I would like to think that I could read that in a person. I don't know. But if it's your career and you're doing that all the time, I would hope that you could tell the difference. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anyway, he says, and here's a quote from him, she is very sincere in her belief that she actually subjectively experienced all of the things that she has experienced in that past life that she described. She's not faking or pretending. Now, the sessions with Dr. Smith, they revealed something else. Georgia repeatedly mentioned the name Marietta. She came to learn that there was a town called Marietta in Ohio, and suddenly she felt drawn there. The pieces of the puzzle were falling into place. So in 1985, Georgia travels to Ohio. She's arranged for a local reporter in Marietta by the name of Ted Bauer, to accompany her around town. I'll show you some of the places that you talked about over the phone, he tells her. Uh, no, she says, I'll show you where to go. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, Georgia's knowledge of the town is surprising. At one point, she stops in front of an insurance company, and she begins describing the interior of an ice cream parlor. And the reporter's amazed. She's the, never been there. She's she, never? She had never been there. And that, I mean, it's an insurance company now. The ice cream parlor had closed in 1937. It hadn't even been there for decades. And it it was like 11 years before Georgia was even born. And this is before the internet. Yes. Where you would, you know, maybe see some old pictures. 1985, exactly. It would be really hard to get that kind of detail. Ted Bauer, the reporter, he even goes and finds the son of the man who operated the ice cream parlor. And he checks with him about the details that Georgia shared. And this guy said it matched almost exactly what the interior of that parlor had looked like. So Georgia, she said, you know, she's, she's a little frightened at what's coming out of her. But at the same time, she says, there was an excitement that started to build in me. It was like, this is really real. I really was this girl. So many of Georgia's recollections were taken to a local historian in Marietta, and the historian verified them. But there was still a major problem with the story. Georgia and no one can find a record of a Sandra Jean Jenkins in Marietta. So Georgia, she goes next to this neighboring town, Newport, Ohio. It was a farming community. There's no record of Sandra there either, but... As soon as she gets to town, there's this old familiarity that washes over her again. She knows this town. The first thing I saw when entering Newport was a big gray house, Georgia said. It sent chills through my body. This is my house. This is where I lived. I could see a room, and I knew that this had been her bedroom. This was the house that Sandra had lived in. Now, there's another recurring theme in her dreams that Newport, Ohio brings to life. In her visions, she had often been standing on the steps of a church. She leaves the steps of the church. She walks two blocks to a cemetery. 
There she finds a winding path to the right. It curves and then it straightens out and she stops at a grave. In her dreams, she knows that this is the grave of her grandmother, of Sandra Jean Jenkins' grandmother, but she could never read the name on the marker. In the dreams. In the dreams. Well, in Newport, she sees a church, catches her breath. She walks over to its steps, and then she repeats what happens in her vision. She uses the steps as the starting point. She walks two blocks. She finds a path to a cemetery. So she's doing everything that she... Okay. Exactly. And the path is winding to the right and then straightening out. And just in her dream, it ends at a headstone. Before we go, that's that would be creepy to me, even though I'm doing it. it, it oh, yeah. It just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something that I only dreamed of. And in a part of your mind, you think that's got to be fake, but then you start seeing it. And, and it's then, actually happening. I know, I've got like goosebumps right now <laughs> thinking of what that would feel like. That's fantastic. And then to come up on this headstone, it's like, I can now read the name. Now I know what my grandmother's name is. Yes. And it was Mary Bevan Green. Okay. Now, this is the missing link to Georgia's story, or rather, Sandra Jean Jenkins' story. Mary Bevan Green owned the big gray house that Georgia had recognized as soon as she had come into Newport. It was the house that she drew in crayons when she was a five-year-old. Now, the Green family, gets better, owned a fleet of paddlewheel boats that worked the Ohio River. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, a paddlewheel boat like the one that Tommy died on. Okay. So, oh, here's another one that gives me goosebumps. So a few feet from Mary Bevan Green's grave, just as in her dreams, she looks over and there's a statue of an angel. Of the angel with the... With its right arm raised upward, just like she had seen in her mind. That That is really cool. So George's research in Marietta and Newport, Ohio, uh, they continued to bear fruit. Under hypnosis, she revealed the name of Tommy Hicks' parents as Tom and Jenny Hicks, and they found records of a farm owned by Tom and Jenny Hicks in Newport in 1906. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Still, who was Sandra? Well, next, Georgia turns to the nearest living relatives of Mary Bevan Green. There's still some alive. And when she goes to visit them, they take out a picture of the family that was taken in 1908. It was a a picture of a family reunion. And she sees a girl in that picture, the face of a girl that she has drawn in crayon as a child and etched as an adult her entire life. It's the picture of, it's the face of Sandra. The problem is almost everyone in this photo is identified. There's like a roster of who's who, but the name of the girl is not there. Now, that's when a Green family member makes the statement, I don't know this girl's name, but I know she drowned out back of the house. Hmm. So there, there seems to be the connection that she needs there. Still just no no record of yeah. her birth there. I'm wondering, it's just, it was very shameful to, to kill yourself back then. And oh, yeah. Maybe a lot of things were erased because of that. It could be. Well, they buried her, Georgia said in her mind, they buried Sandra Jean Jenkins in an unmarked grave 
away from the family because of that shame. Yeah, okay. So you're absolutely right. It could yeah. be that, you know, we're not even going to identify her in pictures. Right, so we're not even going to tell people about her. Yeah. Almost like she didn't exist. Not only the shame of the suicide, but she was pregnant. You know, yeah. if, if somebody knew that, then... That's even, in yeah, their minds, might Double be, that. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, the, the clinical psychologist who hypnotized Georgia, Dr. Smith, he says, you know, the facts of the case are really compelling, but his scientific mind needs more proof. So he kind of puts the brakes on it a little bit, and he says, look, almost every culture at one time or another has had a belief in reincarnation. Sometimes I think, in fact, that it's a metaphor for man's anger over the brevity of life. In terms of whether reincarnation is a real fact or not, as a scientist, I don't know. I want proof. I'm a doubter. But as a human being, I would love to have it be the truth. Georgia Rudolph, on the other hand, she no longer obviously has any doubt. And I sure wouldn't if I had experienced everything she had just experienced on her trip to Marietta. She said, I believe that reincarnation is real, but I'm not sure what reincarnation is. I know there's something to it. I have had an experience that a lot of people don't get to have. My logic oftentimes will tell me, now, this isn't real. But my heart tells me, yes, yes, it is. Well, Georgia Rudolph died in 2013. The quotes in the story that I'm telling you came from interviews done for an episode of Unsolved Mysteries that aired in the 1980s. Oh, I used to love yeah, watching it as a kid. You, I found it online. You can still find it and watch it for free online if you yeah. if you search for the, her story. The guy, the, uh, whoever the host was, I forget it, but he'd, he'd creep me out the way he talks sometimes. <laughs> I'd be more scared of him than the mysteries he was talking about. <laughs> he was very into it, yes, right. yes. Uh, but the story's not quite done yet. All right. Okay, so the show airs in the mid-1980s. In 1990, in Jackson Beach, Florida, a man is watching a rerun of that episode. His name is Jack Turnick, and he's 36 years old. He's a college professor. And as soon as he hears the details of George's story, he starts feeling this eerie familiarity to it. When he hears her use the name Tommy Hicks, he said it hit him like he'd been punched in the stomach. Turns out, Turnick had undergone hypnosis in 1988, and he had described a former life that jibed with Rudolph's story. So he wrote Georgia's psychologist, Doug Smith, and Smith agreed to hypnotize both of them at the same time. They met him on September 8, 1990, for this session. And at that time, Turnock started remembering a life as Tommy Hicks. He remembered dying a watery death. He said he fell from a riverboat into the Ohio River and that he was pulled under the paddles of the boat and killed. Now, under hypnosis, Turnock said he felt guilty for dying and leaving Sandra Jean Jenkins alone and pregnant. Did, Did he know that she was pregnant at the time? Well, he... I'm not clear the way he stated that, whether meant he felt guilty in this life, knowing that that had okay. happened, or if his spirit in the other realm was looking down and feeling guilty, like, oh, I, I've left her and she's alone and pregnant. Okay. I'm not clear. Um, 
But Dr. Smith, he said he hoped that the 20, it was a 20 minute reunion. He hoped it would give modern day Georgia and Jack some closure. Um, and he said it was, it was a very emotional session. Uh, the both of them, they were strangers, but they reached out, they held hands through tears. They, they spoke of their love for each other. Um, and I wish I could see that on video. Yeah. There was a mention of it also being an update on an Unsolved Mysteries. I did not find that, but it might be, I'm sure it's probably out there. If somebody wants to look for it, they might actually have the, the video of that happening. Yeah, if you have it, uh, so. message, you know, give us an email at feedback at ohiomysteries.com. But anyway, go ahead. So, yeah, well, that's what I have for you, Steve. Oh. What do you think? Well, I, t- I tell you what, I've always heard stories, little kid pointing out at maybe somebody who murdered him before or something in India. I don't know. You always hear these stories right. that are, you know, kind of odd. So I always said that I believe my son is the reincarnation of your father. <laughs> uh, yeah, you just, my daddy. Yeah, he yes. has an old soul about him. It's He's hilarious. Like a nurse will look in his ear and, does your ear hurt? And he'll go, you know that doesn't hurt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he sounded like his grandpa. Right, right. That's just, right. He was born after. Just right after. Grandpa I mean, he, yeah. yeah we, she was pregnant with him when grandpa passed away. So, okay. Might have jumped right in. Wow. <laughs> Couldn't waste time. Couldn't waste time, right? Well, you know, I mean, if you have a faith where you believe the soul is eternal and then it never dies, certainly then you could be open to discussing then what happens to that soul. Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't just go sit on a cloud somewhere, right? Right. I mean, if that soul is active and growing and and learning and having experiences, why not come back to Earth and have more experiences and strengthen the... I've I've talked to Christians who believe in reincarnation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely not very taboo out there. Right, right. It's, no, I don't think it is. I, I There are a lot of faiths that definitely believe. Right. I can't remember anything about my past lives, but everybody who does, there's somebody famous, you know? Yeah, they're always famous. <laughs> I was King Tut. Oh, um, I was a uh, Hungarian farmer. <laughs> right. Jim Jones, he, he said that he was Marx and Lenin, two people at the same time. Oh, wow. Well, he was very busy. <laughs> right. <laughs> he had one of those dual uh, spirits. Exactly, oh, exactly. Oh, Lord. <laughs> All right, well... Let's see what our armchair detective has to say about this. This is the part of our program where we throw the debate over to one of our Ohio Mystery listeners to get their thoughts and theories on the case. And today, we are welcoming Luann Baird. Hi, Luann. Hi, Luann. Hello, how are you guys? Wonderful to see you again. Luann is from Cuyahoga Falls, and her brother Ricky Baird was the subject of a previous episode if you haven't listened to that, go back and, and listen to our Beard and Leonard episode. But I love this episode for you because if I had lost a family member, reincarnation would be something that would be on my mind, you know, in some ways, maybe even comforting. So. Absolutely. Well, tell me uh, in general your thoughts on Georgia Rudolph and her story. After you heard the story in total, what was your feeling? Did it feel very authentic? It did. And the fact that she was so young when she drew the pictures and was having these visions and that she was so accurate about the house and the angel statue and what what Sandra looked like. I mean, that's kind of freaky. And also, she, you know, the fact that she was deemed to be stable by, was it, I don't know if it was a psychiatrist or psychologist who, the hypnotist. Right, right. Um, 
the fact that he decided that she really was a stable person and these things were valid. Yeah, I thought it was interesting when you have somebody having those dreams and visions at such a young age and continuing expressing them through adulthood. If it were a lie, I don't know why somebody would keep something like that up for decades. No, and, and they have to know that other people don't believe them because I'm sure people told her they didn't believe her. So I think she really totally believed it, and, and I think it's possible. Now, maybe, maybe everybody is reincarnated and they just have certain parts of their brains that don't pick up on that, and maybe some people are more in tune. I don't know. I almost think, though, that she had some kind of ancestral connection to this to Sandra Jean. I know one was in Georgia and one was in Ohio, but I almost think it has to be familial in order to really connect. And, but that's just a personal opinion of mine. I don't really know if that's... Well, in this case, she thought she herself was Sandra Jean. Right. So, yeah, that's super close. I thought it was really interesting when they brought her... Well, when she went to Marietta and she met with the reporter there, that rather than the reporter taking her on a tour of the town, she, she took the reporter yeah, on a tour exactly. of town. I mean, to what lengths would you have to go to carry that off if it wasn't true? And the ice cream shop that she described, the ice cream shop that had been closed since 1937, is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of freaky. Yeah, the reporter then had to go and find, like, the son of somebody who worked there to even right. confirm right. what she had said. So that was not easily gotten information. Right. And this whole thing is before the Internet, so it's not like she can go on the Internet <laughs> right. and look up the history of Marietta and old photographs of the ice cream shop. I mean, that stuff right. was not readily available. Exactly. Yeah. What did you think about her story that she was, in her previous life, a young pregnant woman who had lost her fiancé to a tragic death. I wonder, I mean, could it be you have to have an experience like that in your past to set off alarms in your new life? Do you think just maybe you need to have that kind of tragedy to carry that reincarnation into your new life? Maybe. I mean, maybe she, maybe Sandra Jean thought that her life was incomplete, which she probably did. And she felt she had to keep living it somehow. And the same, the same goes for Tommy, really. Um, they were very young. They both died tragically. They had a whole future planned together. They were heartbroken lovers. And they, I think they just didn't feel like their time on earth was complete. I'm picturing her when she recognized that church and realized the cemetery was going to be so many steps, you know, down the street, take a turn, and then find that gravestone and look down at it and see that woman's name. I mean, were you touched by that whole revelation? Oh, the whole thing in in the statue and just the emotion of it. I got chills a couple times listening to it. So, and, and also the, the connection that she seemed to have with the other guy, with um, Turnick. I was going to ask you about Jack Turnick, because that was the one thing that seemed almost too good to be true, that 
Tommy is out there reincarnated, reincarnated in his new life, and he's seeing a TV show, and he recognizes himself in this story. Is that too much of a stretch, or did you did it feel real to you? It felt real only because of the emotion that was described by the hypnotist. Right. He could, it was palpable, the emotion between the two of them. So maybe, I, I mean, if it's, if it's possible for her, why is it not possible for him? That's true. It, That's it, true. It is far-fetched, but maybe it's just something beyond what we can fathom. As much as the hypnotist kept trying to quantify that he would not say reincarnation is real, he did continually say things that made you think, he wanted to believe it, or on right, some level right. maybe did, and, and didn't feel professionally that he was allowed to admit it. Well, exactly, and and I think it's a it's a controversial subject, no matter what, no matter what religion you are, it's a controversial subject, you know. But in in most religions, you do have a soul, and maybe your soul, maybe those souls were not finished with what they wanted to do on Earth. I've always thought if you know. If, a lot of faiths in Christianity, too, that the soul is eternal. Well, right. what is the point of this tiny existence on earth? If your soul is eternal, this is just a blink of the eye. What is the right. purpose of it? Maybe this isn't the only experience you get here. It would Maybe make it's sense. Not. Maybe it's not. Yeah. I could see that. So in your own uh, experience, have you ever explored the subject for you personally or ever had any moments or dreams or visions or deja vu that made you think, gosh, I wonder if this is kind of left over from another life? I never have. I've had dreams of an event happening and then it's happened. Not specifically like in my dream, but something maybe parallel to my dream. So I don't know. I think if you really let yourself connect and let yourself go, you will connect with some souls or spirits or whatever is out there. And, and maybe that's what helps you grieve the loss of your loved ones and knowing that they're there. I think you definitely have to start with an open mind, mm -hmm. maybe some meditation, just get to a very quiet space where... If there's something out there in the universe that can connect with you, they need the quiet to reach you, you at. And that's why a lot of people don't have that, because they never take the step of, of having that quiet moment and, right, and looking right. inside. But maybe Georgia, you know, a five-year-old is very open-minded, and, and she was able to just absorb it and go with it. Maybe... As adults, we wouldn't. We would just shut it out. I wish they had found evidence of her birth. You know, they did find a family member who remembered the story of somebody who had drowned, and they did find the photograph, and they weren't sure who the picture was, but she recognized it. Yeah. I just wish they'd been able to find, like, a birth Something record of more, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe Georgia was related to Sandra somehow that they never even knew. You know, and I'm wondering now with all these, with this ancestry DNA things, you know, if, if they could have gotten DNA from Sandra and from Georgia, would they have so some So you don't sort of think connection? just that 
Georgia may be the reincarnation of Sandra, you think she might actually physically be related to her in this life. Somehow, maybe. Wow. That would be amazing. I mean, I don't know, but... We don't know what the rules are. (laughs) I don't know what the rules of reincarnation are. Exactly. But I would think that the souls... Wouldn't the soul look for someone that they cared about or that was a, a descendant of themselves? I don't know. Yeah. I think I'm going to. I'm go- <laughs> I might haunt my kids, though, actually. <laughs> I think you should just write your own rules, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> And that's it for tonight, listeners. You can find photos, news clippings, and more on the reincarnation of Sandra Jean Jenkins at our website, ohiomysteries.com. If you like our podcast, please hit the subscribe button on your app. We very much appreciate each and every one of you, and we don't want you to miss out on a single episode. Well, one last item of business, Stephen. I love this part of, of our episode. This is where we get to tell you more about our featured musical artist of the night. Harold Stewart and the Blues Hounds have really been around. They were based in Tokyo, Japan for the better part of a decade. Tokyo. Tokyo. That's cool. And in all, they have played in nine different countries before they settled down in Columbus, Ohio. Now, the band is known for its high-energy powerhouse blues, and they've been hard at work on their 2019 album, which is going to include a recording with the son of Muddy Waters. I know that's a name you're familiar with. I do. As much as your dad loved that kind of stuff. Yep. But the song we're featuring tonight, Something to Lose, is from last year's album, Black Cat Moan. And this tune features a solo by sax player Tats Nakazato, who was once part of the Blues Hounds in Tokyo, and I hear he still flies over here once a year to record and play with the band. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's the longest commute ever, but (laughs) he still makes it. Now, the rest of the band includes band leader Harold Stewart, of course, John Savillane on percussion, Carl Terzi on keyboards, Tony Harp on bass, and Dave Robbins on sax and harmonica. Now, if you want to see the band in person, you've got some opportunities coming up. You'll find them February 22 in Westerville at the Harry Buffalo Bar, on March 1 in Clintonville at the India Oak Bar, and on March 2 in Marysville at Leon's Garage. And I looked that up uh, on the internet. It is not a garage. Oh, it's not. It is not. It looks like a really nice restaurant. Oh, okay. Yeah, not a garage. Anyway, listen, we love sharing these bands with you, but they're all trying to make a living just like the rest of us. So with this group and all of our groups, if you like their music, please consider supporting them. You know, you can often download songs for just 99 cents each. You can hop over to their website, www.thebluesounds.com, sample their music. You see a song you like, grab it for yourself. Yeah, their music's really good. Definitely worth 99 cents. Absolutely. So we're going to leave you with a full version of Something to Lose. Turn up the volume, settle back, and enjoy some of the talent from our great state of Ohio. Ladies and gents, I give you Harold Stewart and the Blues Hounds. Wish a woman would leave me 
least that would mean she was there Wish a woman would leave me At least that would mean she was there Someone I could have called mine Someone someday Somewhere If a woman left me She might clear out all happy If a woman left me She might clear out all happy home Guess that would feel real bad But there's nothing that I Is nothing I'd ever choose Tired of feeling so empty Gotta work my way up to the blues Maybe someday I'll have something Then I'd have something Nothing more dangerous 
someone with nothing to lose They say there's nothing more dangerous Than someone with nothing to lose Doubt they're scared of me though I got nothing, no one What's the use? Nothing I'd ever choose Tired of feeling so empty Gotta work my way up to the blues Maybe someday I'll have something Then I'd have something History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. 
Conflicted, a history podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.